Things first, I'ma say all the words inside my head I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been Oh, ooh, the way that things have been Oh, ooh. All right, welcome back to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Inadvertent Whistle Podcast. I'm Scott Bachanson, joined with Adam Brick. We have a couple of guests with us today. Andre Jones and Irv Green will be part of our uh, group today. But I want to say uh, thanks to everyone that wrote and asked us about the the podcast and when we were going to do it again. All six of our listeners uh, were really uh, appreciative of you being able to, to listen in this year. So we're live from the VNN, and uh, we want to start with saying season's greetings to everyone. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Adam and let him kind of share uh, what's on his mind today. Thanks, Scott. And I want to also welcome everybody back uh, to Season 3, although we've had some challenging uh, schedules to get this done. Here we are at the Vienna Inn, and we do want to thank Marty and the Vienna Inn for letting us broadcast from here. Um, one of the things on my mind, particularly for the holiday season, is the idea of patience, um, not only on the basketball court but off the basketball court. Be patient when you're out there shopping, for those of you who don't shop online. Be patient with people during traffic. Be patient with others. Wish everybody season's greetings. Let's try to uh, do better than our politicians do. Aside from that, patience on the basketball court. One of the things I've noticed as we've gone through the first couple of weeks of the season is officials not having patient whistles on contact plays, particularly marginal contact plays in transition. Again, anticipate the play. Let the play develop. See the whole play. Then make a decision. As far as I'm concerned, it's about the uh, tower philosophy, advantage, disadvantage, rough play. Uh, Scott talks about something called possession consequence. I don't know what the hell that means, but I prefer to, to go with the old tower philosophy of did somebody gain an advantage, was somebody put at a disadvantage, or if I don't put air in the whistle, will this lead to rough play? And particularly, again, in transition, if a guard gets past the, the, the hands on him or her and now they have a five-on-four, let the play go. Uh, let the kids play the game. If you've got to come and get a little bit of a late whistle, that's okay. A late whistle but a correct whistle is a whole hell of a lot better than a quick whistle with a wrong call that becomes a game interrupter. Um, so that's kind of what's on my mind these days. And what we want to do is see uh, what's on the mind of our guests today. And I know that's going to be challenging for Irv because there's not a lot up there. Uh, so we'll start with Andre first and give Irv a chance to, to get himself settled in here because it's kind of early for Irv. You know, he is retired. So let me uh, turn this over to Andre for, for his quick thoughts. Season's greetings, everyone. I just want to thank you guys for letting me join you guys. This is uh, quite the honor to be here with you guys. The thing that's on my mind right now is definitely is situational awareness. Uh, too often you go on the court and you don't want to be going through the motions. I mean, time, circumstances, score, things we all need to be aware of when we're on the floor. Um, prime example, close ball game, we're in the bonus if they're bringing the 13th guy off on the bench, it's for a reason. We need to be aware, okay, if he's in here to just stop the clock by fouling, we need to be aware of that. Um, but just being lackadaisical and not being aware of what's going on, what the coaches are trying to accomplish, definitely makes it a harder game for not just you but for your partners if you're not engaged on it. Uh, the other thing, like you said, for me is bring something to the game. It starts with the pregame. Uh, I know where we have personalities or some that are – fixated with just saying hey this is how I do my pregame but be a contributor if you have information if you had the teams before if you know tendencies or things of that nature 
don't be afraid to have the confidence to say, hey, be aware of these type of players or be aware of this situation whatnot. I know for me, like you said, with the rule change, especially at the high school, with allowing assistant coaches to come on the floor uh, in this instance of a fight breaks out, I add that to my pregame. Say, hey, okay, we're counting players before the game, but also count the coaches. You know, I want to know if it's one, two, three, four, five coaches on a bench and they're coming. If a melee doesn't sue, I'm aware that those five are allotted to be on there. Otherwise, everybody else is deemed bench personnel and we handle that accordingly. So, like you said, you just want to be sharp, you know, be aware of what's going on, be engaged with your partners, talk about it. Hey, number 12, he might be my goon player. I want to be aware of him. We might need two sets of eyes. But understand the situation you're in, understand why you're putting the air in the whistle, and understand what they're trying to accomplish. Well, those are a few things that are on my mind. Andre, that's really good advice. I think uh, a lot of people can learn from that that wisdom that you shared. And speaking of wisdom, we got the best pipes in the business now coming up. So Irv, who's now retired, he's my twin cousin, but obviously Irv is uh, very interested in uh, trying to give back to others. So Irv, what do you say? Thanks again for having me back, uh, Scott and Adam. And Adam, yeah, I'm retired, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I like that little dig there, but we're good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know what you do in the wintertime because I know you're a big golfer in the summertime. Um, yeah, teach me how to swing <laughs> or the doggy. <laughs> uh, lead rotations, that's that's what's on my mind. And uh, some of the games that, that I've worked in so far this season, I've noticed where uh, I call it putting our partners in the pickle where you have to go from – be in the center but then all of a sudden now you're going to be the new lead because we're either rotating late and there's a shot or a drive to the basket and and um we're not cognizant of that as the lead when that happens so my thing is in, in games where teams are playing zone defenses especially the one three one or one two two defense we don't necessarily have to rotate as much because the ball typically ends up back on the side where you came from. So it's always best just to stay, watch and see what the, the, the offense is doing. So that way you'll get a better sense of, do I need to rotate or should I just stay? Because a lot of times when teams are playing zone, uh, the offensive team is going to put their big player at the high post, at the foul line. So that's where you should be looking. And then also take a look and see where the ball is. It doesn't hurt to take a and, and doesn't hurt to take a sneak peek to see where the ball is. So that way you'll know, do I need to rotate? And that'll keep us out of the pickle, is what I call it. Um, you know, because a lot of times when you're that center and you have to bust your, you know, what down to the other end, you might end up missing a play. You know, kid going to the basket, you might miss a kid getting hit. So I think also with patient whistle, it's also good to be patient as a lead when we're looking at rotating. That's what's on my mind. Irv, thanks. I'm glad you touched on the, the lead positioning and rotations. I'm similar, but I'm going to talk about trail positioning. And I think mainly is it, it it's a little difficult for me to watch video. And I watch a lot of video and seeing some of our officials that are in the way of the plate are out too far onto the court. They're not wide enough. Um, I know a lot of people call this sideline oriented. I know Adam doesn't understand that. But it, what it means is that if you stay wider, you're going to be able to keep your angles and keep that angle all the way to the basket. It helps you step down, be able to referee back up. I, I know Paul Diasparo runs the Crown Refs podcast and did a really good video recently on seeing in between players, especially on uh, the, the shots. And if you're wider, you have a better chance of seeing the strike zone. And, and you'll know whether it's a right-handed player, left-handed player. It just gives you a much better opportunity. If you're out in the middle of the court, 
now you're you're dodging a quick steal. Now you're behind the play. You got then you have to run wide anyway. So why don't you just stay wide, keep your angles, and referee the play as you see fit. So those would be the the items that are on my mind today. And um, we're just gonna um, Adam has something to say too. You're correct, Scott. I have no idea what you mean by sideline oriented. But what I was taught was particularly as the trail official, you can't referee elbows and assholes. So if all you see is the back of the offensive player or maybe in the lead position, the back of a defensive player, you've got to be able to see between the players. So if you don't move to get the angle in between the players, you cannot referee the play. So if that's what sideline oriented is, I'm all on board. All right, so I was wrong. Adam did understand that. So we're going to go into our pet peeves, and I'll, I'll start uh, – with, with uh, my pet peeves. So our pet peeves are brought to you by the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp. If you're interested in learning about three-person officiating, go to sgboc.net. So today I want to talk about the uh, the pet peeves, and, and my pet peeve is I constantly hear, and now I'm seeing, that we're not signing the book. And I know that's just a small thing, but there's nothing worse than if you're on the board or if you're a commissioner and you get a phone call about, hey, can you tell me who refereed my game? And I say, well, just go look at the book. And they say, well, nobody signed it. So whether it's the home book or the visitor book, just sign both books. It, it, it's, it's not that hard to do. Um, you know, if you have a hard time remembering who you're working with, then get them to write their name down. If you have a hard time spelling it, get them to write their name down and go over to the table and do it together. So just make sure you sign the book. It's a small thing, but it's, it's something that, you know, apparently is, is a challenge for most. So hopefully we'll be able to fix that, uh, and, it, and it just creates better communications all the way around. All right, so Irv, I know that you have uh, you know a pet peeve that you want to share with the group as well. Yes, my uh, pet peeve is is the blowing of the whistle before the ball is put in play after either a foul or a violation, and we we do not have to do that every time we put the ball in play after those two things happen, um, and and it tends to happen a lot. Uh, we we just need to just go ahead and just put the ball in play. The only time that we need to Blow that whistle if there's been a long delay or resumption of play. That's it. But just blowing it, just to be blowing it, drives me crazy. Um, and what's the other thing, Adam? Play? Play ball play. Or, or play? You know, th those those things. We already know we're going to play, so just put the ball in play without that whistle. Yeah, Irv, I agree with that. And, and, and the spot and, you know, just tell the kids, put the ball in play. Don't worry about blowing the whistle. Don't give them any extra information. It doesn't doesn't really help. So, no, Andre, you've got uh, you got some information that you'd like to share with our group as well. Yeah, I know for me, big pet peeve, Scott, that it's just a lack of preparedness. You know, you don't go into work disheveled, not knowing what you're supposed to do. So how can you walk through the game just completely oblivious of what the two teams are doing or not contributing whatsoever? I mean, it's one thing to look the part, but also have the knowledge to, to share and, and dispense. So not being prepared or oh, I've never seen these two teams before. I never heard of these two teams. You know, most likely like you said, if you're working at a higher level in a sense and you get a state assignment or something of that nature, you still want to do your homework on what you might be walking into. Or like you said, this is where our community, we need to be talking to each other. Um, like I said, you get your assignments well in advance. You know, you're trying to tell me that sometimes they happen at the very, very last second, but most of the time you get your assignments well in advance. So you know already who you're going to be dealing with, who you're going to be working with, tendencies, things you can ask questions with your fellow partners. But to walk in completely unprepared really puts your crew at a disadvantage, and uh, they're going to have to pick up the slack in a sense if you're just now going through the motions uh, when you're halfway through a ball game. So that's just one thing that really 
gets to me, you know, just a lack of preparedness. Thanks for sharing that, Andre. Um, we haven't done an episode in so long. I feel like I have about 1,022 pet peeves I need to share. So I'm going to do my best to keep it to two. Well, number one is I would really appreciate uh, those that run a camp to actually use the proper website when they give it. It's actually sgboc.com, not .net. But that's, so that's pet peeve number one. Uh, pet peeve number two especially for me this season, is during free throws, um, watching the trail who is not watching the players in the backcourt. Um, we really don't need six sets of eyes on, you know, a free throw shooter and, you know, six players on the line when we've got potentially, you know, three players in the backcourt. Uh, particularly for some of these games where they're deep in the backcourt. You, you don't need to go to the backcourt as the trail. You just need to turn your body and get the vision of the players in the backcourt. Even if it's just two players from one team, um, if they are in the backcourt in the second half, that means they're near the, the other team's bench, and you still need to keep an eye to make sure that there's nothing going on between uh, the players on the bench uh, and the, the players on the court. Um, and to me, that goes along with situational awareness that, that Andre was talking about. Um, we just got to pay attention. You, your, our concentration needs to be high, particularly during dead balls. So, Adam, I, that's actually a, a really good point about the free throws. It, it, another thing that bothers me is when we have a technical foul or an intentional foul, for some reason, and I don't know why, but we love to have three officials surround the one free throw shooter and nobody near the players, especially if there's an intentional foul or there's you know taunting and baiting, we got to have officials near the players. We don't need to have three officials kicking ass to make sure that he's not going to violate. I'm pretty sure that the one official can figure out whether he steps across the line, or for God forbid, gets to ten, which I haven't had in my 28 years. So um, that that's a really good point. So I appreciate you sharing that point. And and now we're going to get to our mailbag. And and uh, I got to tell you, we you know, with us being away for so long, we've got uh, we got four questions uh, that we're gonna. We actually got more, but we we picked these four because uh, we're trying to keep this limited to a twenty minute show. So, um, the first question comes from uh, Little Yeti uh, Caruso and Sterling, and he says, uh, you know, first of all, when are you guys having the podcast again? And when you do, can you talk about holiday tournaments and how you have a different approach to those games and how you handle the coaches? Uh, and I'll hang up and listen. So, uh, Little Yeti, uh, thank you for the question. So, uh, Adam, I'm going to let you start that one off. It's always great to hear from Little Yeti Caruso from, what is he, from Sterling? Yeah. Nah, he's a New Yorker at heart. Um, so, for me, you know, when we get into the holiday tournaments, particularly when you have a team that we don't officiate, they're from out of town or from another part of town that, that we, don't, we don't referee their regular season games, it really is about trying to provide some sense of comfort to the to that coach that he or she can converse with us. We're going to listen. We're going to communicate. And that starts from the time we walk out on the court, making sure you're not just talking to people from particularly if it's the home team or it's hosting the tournament. Um, when you go over and say hello, spend a little extra time with that coach that we haven't seen before. And one of the techniques that I use, particularly as we get through, you know, halfway through the first quarter, if I haven't heard much from the coach and I'm right in front of him or her, I might take an opportunity during play 
particularly if I'm the slot on the bench side and say, hey, coach, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. Just checking in and make sure everything's okay. And trust me, if everything wasn't okay, we would have heard about it already. So I know what the answer is going to be. And you get, you get a little bit of extra mileage out of that, asking that question from that coach, saying, you know what, I think I'm getting a fair shake tonight. And that's really all they're looking for, and that's what they hope to get. Adam, that's a good point. I, I totally agree. You know, typically my approach in those situations is I like to walk, watch the classics. So I kind of take the Andy Griffin approach. You know, you don't want to run up there and you meet a guy for the first time and you're, you know, you're Barney Fife ready to go at it. But just more or less, you know, hey, how's it going? Be engaging, down to earth, you know, be approachable in that sense. Um, like you said, you know, Andy carried a gun too, but very rarely had to pull it out. So, you know, you want to have that type of rapport with them or establish that type of rapport with them. Andre, you're you're too young. Actually, Andy Griffith didn't carry a gun. I got to tell you. All right. Before we get to the next question, I did get a, a text message from Scott Grove in Connecticut. Wanted to know, is there a particular whistle that you would recommend to use? And I would tell you that Fox Forty is generally the one that that we'd recommend. Um, but the classic, not the Pearl. There's some people that like to use that Pearl, and it just sounds completely different. I, you know, I think the only thing you're doing is pissing off the dogs. So uh, I, we'd recommend the Fox 40 Classic. Whether you have the mouth guard or not doesn't really matter. But uh, So, Scott, thanks for that text. So the, the next uh, question comes from um, Zach Grant. Zach's a student at the University of Central Florida. He's in their intramural program. And he asks, do you have any recommendations for uh, helping officials improve, new officials improve? So I actually uh, I did a presentation on this recently, and I also put this on a YouTube video. So if you need to, uh, you know, see that video, it, it's available on YouTube. Um, but I will tell you that there there's a lot of different ways. Uh, I think there's uh, – I'll just give you three little areas and maybe somebody else wants to chime in. The first thing I would do is just make sure that I'm fundamentally sound with the rule book, understanding the rules. I'm fundamentally sound with positioning. I'm getting in between angles. I'm fundamentally sound with my mechanics and signals, and I'm paying attention to that. Um, I'm working on my craft during rec games, so I'm, I'm going out and maybe I'm working on the, the table mechanics. I'm working on my angles. I'm working on trail position. I'm working on just making sure I'm staying engaged in plays. Um, I'm doing those different things during my rec games. And then the last thing is get a mentor, watch video. Um, those, are the, those are the three main things I would tell you because the video doesn't lie. Having a good mentor, not one that just is going to tell you what you want to hear, but one that actually will look to, to help you improve is, uh, is I think, one of the best things that I can uh, provide. So I'm going to turn it over to Irv because I'm sure Irv's got some good wisdom as well. One of the other things, too, Scott, I would feel that's uh, also good in improving as an official, a young official, is attending camps. And one of the camps that's a great camp, which is a teaching camp, is the SGBOC, the Steve Gordon camp. SGBOC.com is the website. Uh, that you could go to to sign up for. Uh, the, the camps like that are great camps to uh, to learn and, and get valuable training um, in in three-person officiating. And that's about it I have. Yeah, and, and by the way, we say sgboc.com because it is our camp, the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp. We do great teaching, but there are other camps that you can look at as well. Eric Lewis, uh, NBA, runs a really great camp. The, the Lindsays run a great camp. You know, Ibo has a couple of camps that they run as well. Um, Sean Hall and Bernie Clinton uh, up in Maryland, they run they run a couple of camps. I know uh, Paul Diasparo from Crown Refs probably has some up in New York. Um, they probably have Steve, Steve Lukowski can help you with hair gel. 
uh, on that. And if you, if that won't help you, you can go down to Roger Ayers and Mike Eads' camp because I know Roger gives out hair gel at their camp. But th- those are all really good teaching camps. I know that there's plenty across the country, but that would be uh, my recommendation. So, um, All right, and I think, Andre, you have something else you want to add. Yes, Scott. I, I was going to say the other point was have a battle buddy, someone you're going with. So you could talk plays, you could talk scenarios. I know Irv and I had a game earlier uh, earlier in the season, and we probably spent about 20 minutes just talking about one specific play. And just having that engagement triggers the mind, triggers you thinking in different ways and how you would adjudicate and handle the situation. Um, like I said, I got battle buddies at every level of basketball I do, and you know those are kind of my best buddies where we just talk – send information, send plays, or lessons learned so what we could do better. So if you don't have a battle buddy or our mentor in a sense, those are definitely great assets to have to help you accelerate your improvement. Another uh, piece of mail in our inbox comes from Dave Kendall, one of Cardinals' own. I believe he is from Parts Unknown, though. Uh, and and Dave's, Dave's question uh, deals with how do, how do you handle unruly fans during a game? And since Andre, I believe you are Dave's mentor in our mentor-mentee program, I'm going to ask you to answer that question for us. Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. Uh, And like you said, situations, you don't have to do everything on your own. No one's asking you to be Tarzan and take on the world. But use your tools at your disposal. If you engage game management, tell them specifically what's going on, what's needed, um, like you said, give them the information. If you have an unruly fan or parent, tell them right now, hey, this person needs to go. Okay, he's a distraction, can't stay. So let him know specifically and go from there. If you just say, hey, I told the game manager, hey, uh, that parent's got to go, give them a reason. Like you said, you don't want to leave that game management in a situation. Because one, they can help de-escalate, but if you're very, very specific and you give them the tools saying, hey, He's unruly. He cannot stay. He can at least articulate that to the unruly fan, saying, okay, hey, the referee says you have to leave. Um, if you don't, it puts them in a unfavorable situation because, like you said, they're getting secondhand information as to what's going on. So be very concise, very specific as to what needs to have happen in those situations. Thanks, Andre. What I'd add to that is, and be careful what your ears pick up from the stands. Um you know, just because people are complaining about calls, you know, it's our job to make sure that just rolls off our backs. Uh, in particular situations where fans obviously vulgar or obscene language, uh, of course, anything that's racist or sexist. But in particular, if they're saying things to players, and in this case, for all of us in high school basketball, that means you have adults saying things to children. And th- that's where we really need to draw the line. And I couldn't agree more with Andre that our job is to get game management involved. Or in many gyms, there are, you know, local police. Um, don't engage with the fans. Um, that's not our job. But our job is to inform home game management of people that are causing problems or potentially going to cause problems. So really appreciate that answer, Andre. And Dave, thanks for the email. Right, that's a really good advice. The only thing I would add to it is just make sure that you also let your commissioner know if you have an issue. Um, sometimes they may not be aware, and it's always good to make sure that they have the information so that they can, uh, at the very least, mark it down and uh, you know maybe follow up if it was necessary. So 
I'm looking at this last question here, and I think there's really only one person that can answer it, and that would be you, Adam. It's uh, it's from Coach Jeff Hawes at Potomac Falls, and he wants to know, is it possible to have an intentional foul in the second quarter of the second game of the season? So, uh, Adam, I think this one's you. Well, thanks for that email, Coach Hawes. Um, as he well knows, yes, it is possible to have an intentional foul in the second quarter of the second game of the season. Uh, when, a, when a player steals the ball at midcourt, and albeit he is 42 feet away from the basket when he is bear-hugged from behind, yes, that is an intentional foul. That is going to be two shots in the ball. And, Coach Hawes, I do appreciate the fact that that night it wasn't four shots in the ball. Um, so we kid because we love. Um, we have a ton of great coaches here in Northern Virginia um, that, are, that, that we really see as partners, and hopefully a lot of them see us as partners in – doing what's best for the game and promoting the game. And Coach Hawes is one of the great guys out there who is in this for the right reason, and we're only busting his chops because we love him. So I want to wish him and all the other coaches, um, even John Costello, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all the best of luck during the rest of the season. Well, I got to tell you, that this was a jam-packed podcast. I want to thank our guests, uh, Andre Jones, uh, for coming out and, and giving his, some of his wisdom. Obviously, Irv's been here before. Again, the best pipes in the business, maybe not in uh, recording, but in refereeing. And, uh, you know, I want to thank our sponsors. At the, We're here at the Vienna Inn. If you want to come by and have some chili dogs, they have great breakfast. You can get uh, anything you want here at any time. You can even drink beers early in the morning if you need to. And uh, also the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp. So we want to thank uh, everyone for listening in, all six of you. And if you think this was good information, go ahead and share it with others, and we hope to have another podcast. Uh, so, Adam, as always, you have the last word. Once again, season's greetings to all, and may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day. Crashing, hit a wall. Right now, I need a miracle. Hurry up now, I need a miracle. the most.